Based on the theory that dogs look like their owners, is your next dog going to be an Afghan hound? <laughs> now, can I, is never an option? <laughs> Absolutely not, <laughs> is the answer. Welcome to Let's Boot Snoots. I'm Heidi. And my name is Vero. Uh, today I'm excited about our show and so excited that I cannot do the intro. Vero must do it for me. All right. I'll do the Take intro Take it away, Vero. <laughs> uh, we have a special guest on the show today. He's from Nova Scotia, Canada. He's gone from dog walker to pet groomer to training hunting dogs and now a professional dog trainer. He's funny and entertaining and you can catch him on YouTube. Instagram, Facebook, and he has his own podcast. We would like to welcome from Doggett Style Dog Training, Evan Doggett. Hey! Welcome to the show! Bonjour! Yay! Bonjour! Bonjour! (laughs) How's it going? It always gets a little awkward when then people are like, in French, and I'm just like, bonjour! (laughs) (laughs) Every time, eh? Yeah, yeah. My wife's French, so I... That's, uh, you know, I practice my French every day where I go, oui, 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 oui. Oui, 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 And then that's I have limited French as well. And I speak a lot of franglais on the show. So we welcome it. Yes. Well, if you ever need to practice, I'm here. Yeah. When 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 my wife saw your name, she's like, Veronique. And I was like, yeah, I guess she's French. Yes. Yeah. losing it a little bit though but um yeah french family cool all right so i've mentioned a few of your dog related jaws that you've had in the past in the intro how did you what was your path into becoming a dog trainer so how did you decide uh, what made you decide to become a dog trainer it was kind of a full circle thing so my dad was a mountie for those of you listening from the States, those are the, the handsome buggers riding horses around our, our police. Um, they don't ride horses so much anymore, but uh, the Red Surge, the Red Jacket guys, my dad was one of those. And so when I saw my first canine unit um, police officer, the guy, you know, the what my dad was plus a dog, I was like, oh my God, I, that's, that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. And so I was eight when that happened. And I, you know, I grew up with that plan till... Um, we moved around like I we went from Nova Scotia right to Depot where they train the Mounties. Uh, so we lived there for three years and that was like, oh my God, I definitely want to do this. Imagine being like 12 years old, driving on the track in police cars and riding the musical ride horses, which was another obsession. That That is um, one of my questions for all the Mountie people that I met. I'm like, do you uh-huh. do the parade, the musical ride? It's like a huge parade for anyone who's listening in from out of country that, that, the, that the Mounties put on, right? I remember going as a kid too. So I yeah. was like, I'm like, did you do the parade? Were you a part of the yeah, parade? Yeah, and it's an option. Like that anybody, you don't have to have my uncle. Um, I, there's several Mounties in my family. My mom actually became a Mountie at like age 42. Oh my um, God. Wow. Yeah, it was just, just insane. But uh, she's, I, I take after her. <laughs> I take after my mom. <laughs> um, and so 
yeah, I was riding musical ride horses and shooting guns and driving in cars and swimming in the Olympics ice swimming pool. So I was like, this is what I want to do. But as I grew older and we, you know, we traveled and I got, you know, got into my rebellious teenage years, mm-hmm. I said like, ah, I'd rather, you know, um, be a rebellious teen than think about <laughs> becoming a cop. And so, and you also, as the son of a police officer, you get to see the grind that is being being a police officer, right? Dealing yeah. with our souls on the inside and yep. the outside and every day is just, uh, you know, dealing with conflict. So I, um, yeah, I decided that I was going to become a teacher, but I, I didn't have the focus right after high school. And my parents were like, well, we're definitely not paying for university. So you can go and party. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went and traveled Europe for, uh, for a year and then South America, uh, for a year, was, you know, Europe, Africa, South America, back to Ottawa, um, and then one day I was in Colombia, Bogota, Colombia, and I had my first dog in Colombia and was just, I spent all, I was taking, I was teaching English as a second language and I was taking my dog to school with me. And I've always been dog crazed, um, ever since I was a little kid, you know, we, we had dogs growing up, miniature poodles, um, which like in hindsight, just looking back at like how terrible they were yes <laughs> and why didn't anybody do anything about yes. them yes yeah same experience like like once you know you look back and you're like what was i doing what was i thinking yeah well, and, and I, like literally i've got a scar on my chin from our our first dog which was a last app so uh, but i remember what happened and the dog is the one who got in trouble but i was literally like crawling under the recliner trying to get the dog that was clearly terrified and it bit me in the chin and my parents threw up their hands and went, well, the dog's aggressive. Well, yeah. where the hell were they? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Who was, yeah. who was watching the dog yeah. uh, or the kid or anybody? And so, uh, so we got rid of him, you know, and, uh, and sure there's a little bit of guilt there as it, which is hilarious, right. As an adult, I'm still, you know, still reminiscing over what it. I did. Yeah. Right. As a six year old. And so, but, and this dimple was given to me by a, a dog got bit in the face and I got them on my, I got, a, you know, a hole in my calf from, so just as a child, just stunned around dogs, nobody teaching me what to do, what not to do. Um, and equally just, be, you know, just a little bit uh, thick in the head, I guess. So, mm-hmm. uh, became a dog trainer, but, uh, yeah, I, I had a dog in Columbia and I got a call from my parents one day that said, Evan, congratulations. You got into St. X University. And I said, oh, that's weird. I, I didn't apply. And they said, we applied for you. You're coming home. <laughs> yeah, literally. I found when my mom, when I, when I, it was like, you know, officially I'm never moving back in with my parents. She gave me a box of just the remaining stuff from their house. And I found, <laughs> I found the application letter to St. written, no you know, from me. Yeah. That, yeah. oh man. Anyway. <laughs> So yeah, so did and then, you end up going to university? Yeah, went to X, got the wrong ring. Yeah, no right ring. Um, <laughs> went went to X, got got the uh, got the ring and uh, and the degree. And in my third year, I did an exchange uh, to Argentina. And you know the the theme of partying continued as one does in university. But I was dating my now wife, and she's a couple years older than me, and she's Quebecois, which means. Uh, you know, Quebecers get their partying done when they're like 16. Yes. They get it out of their system yeah. from 12 yep. to 16. Yep. You know? <laughs> and so, so she was a lot more mature than me and was just like, this is, the, you know, I don't want to be 
I, I don't want to be in a long-term relationship with a kid basically. Yeah. And so I came back, cut the cut the exchange short to, to mend that relationship. And I was like, I know what will make my life more settled, a dog. <laughs> and uh, just put it, put it all on the dog. And so I got rushed. So I came back. It was in the, um, came back to patch up the relationship it was at the, she was working full time in Montreal, and so I was staying there. And I went, oh, I'm just going to go and walk dogs at the SPCA. Well, that lasted about two hours, and I left with a with a dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it was not hilarious at the time. Well, no, um, no I doubt it. Yeah, but her and her two siblings, she was living with uh, deathly allergic to dogs. Oh, and uh, yeah, I show up with this pit bull mix. Oh, uh, oh an hour, God. an hour. <laughs> yeah, I guess I was. I guess I was at the SBCA for more like five hours because I was an hour late to pick her up. Was this uh, during as the well pit bull like Rush. ban, or had that even started yet? I don't know. That would have been two thousand and. 11 10 oh it's close to it they were definitely talking about it at at that point yeah so yeah rush was like a boxer pity mix i mean you definitely look Mm -hmm. at him and think he's Mm -hmm. a a pit bull um or what would be classified as one and yeah that was the the beginning of the beginning and uh her her father talked her into uh staying with me and that i'm not a complete um, knucklehead and that <laughs> she's just like ah he's just a guy you know at least he's trying to do a loving thing and that's literally yeah. the only reason that we're <laughs> we're together because her dad was like ah he's just being a nice guy give him a chance so it's, it's a just, dude you know, it's, it's a young dude and thing. Dumb. yeah 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 so that was the beginning and then i was just spending as much time with my dog as I was on university. And because I was a mature student, I, I you know, I did care about university mature. Um, more, I was a couple of years older than everybody else because I had traveled before. And yeah, that was, that was the beginning. I, I in fourth year, um, I guess when I had Rush, I was walking dogs at a local new doggy daycare. I was taking packs of dogs from there, start my, uh, my own business. I've always had businesses, you know, whether it was, lawn care or this or that or you know I've always been I've always been you know a hard-working kid because my parents never gave me anything so they just said so so when when did you start get learning like the sort of ins and outs of the dog training like when you were pack walking like did you have like a good knowledge base at that point or I was just like obsessively watching Caesar Milan you know that was the era of Caesar Milan was still on TV so I just you know ripped all the uh all the seasons of Caesar Milan and was just watching them on repeat and things like that. And and that's the thing that I would say, like, as much as you see on TV, it's Hollywood. You have to remember that it's Hollywood and the things, while Cesar Milan is amazing and like, yeah, he can walk 40 dogs at the same time. Doing the Hollywood style of dog training stuff is not, it's not real. Dogs no. take time. Relationships yeah. take time. And and it's and just so, like, um, it's a, it's a learning thing too. Like, um, I'm currently in school for a master's in education and stuff. And you can watch a video, but it, it, until you're out there with your dog and learning the behaviors and seeing which way they're turning or what their ears are doing or reading the body language, it's like, it's, it's hard to put it from video into actual practice. And that's why yeah. we have the Q and A's, right? Like a lot of people are like, I'm trying that, but he keeps jumping or he keeps doing this. And and it's the, I find that, that aspect, like finding the little things, like the fine tuning of it all. Yeah, and especially when you get into a pack dynamic. Yeah, yeah it totally, looks so easy totally... on the videos, and then yeah. you go to do it, and it's just like, why Why is this so awkward? 
<laughs> it looks so easy in the video. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's understanding the pack dynamic stuff. And that's what always mm-hmm. yeah. intrigued me the most was the pack dynamic stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, Russia and Vega have trained more dogs than I ever will. Kind yeah. Of thing, right. Like they've, they've done the yeah. majority of the, the heavy lifting. And so it was a great place to start walking a pack of dogs and being around a doggy daycare. So would you take Rush me. with you? Oh, yeah. He went everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere everywhere that he was allowed to go. And even then, he was still going places. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, in my – so I was walking dogs uh, and then started uh, – went to a groomer's during fourth year as well. And I was, like, dairy farming during university as oh, well. Wow. And so, wow. yeah, I've, I've always had, like, multiple jobs. Mm-hmm. And so – so I, w- I went to a groomers and started working there as well. I just was like, hey, can I can I volunteer? Anyone that's listening about thinking about getting into the pet space is like, just don't always expect to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> expect yep. not to get paid yeah, if, no, you wanna, if you want to learn, you know. It's true. Um, and so I, I started volunteering there and then started getting paid. And then one day this lady came in that was um, – like an amateur groomer, like a self-taught groomer came in and was like, Oh my God, Cesar Milan has this course and I've been applying. And, uh, and he was also coming to Nova Scotia to do his, his tour thing. So went, saw the, saw the tour presentation and, uh, and then signed up for this Cesar Milan experience thing and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, flew rush with me. Um, and, you know, basically, uh, went out there and discovered that this is actually what I want to do. That was in fourth year university in February. And then that I was like, yep, this is what I want to do. So rather than applying to um, teacher's college or, you know, going back to X for education, I uh, finished university and went out to BC to train hunting dogs. That was the next step. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, so from from training the hunting dogs, then like, how did you get from the hunting aspect of things to like where you are now and and the services? So yeah, when I was now? when I was in BC training hunting dogs, I also was doing grooming. Um, and I th- it's you know what I learned during the hunting dogs is also how I don't want to train dogs. Mm-hmm. So there's essentially like kind of three schools of thought. There's the purely positive, which is. Yep. The dominating sector of you know give the dog a cookie redirect him to a cookie kind of thing mm-hmm. and reward him for doing reward the dog for doing the right thing amazing yeah. uh, but limited obviously because you're only using one mm-hmm. side of the spectrum and then the opposite which is compulsion which is put pressure on the dog till they do the thing uh, and then release the pressure and then so old school compulsion kind of thing and then there's a balanced approach which is use both without going to the extreme of either Mm -hmm. yeah right don't solely depend on pressure don't solely depend on positive reinforcement Mm -hmm. but you know if i squeeze your arm and i go and you don't Mm -hmm. speak spanish (laughs) yep you're not gonna gonna get it right it doesn't matter how happy or how hard i squeeze or any of that stuff if you don't understand what i'm saying you'll never understand but if i teach you through reward-based what toca la pared means Mm -hmm. and then you get distracted by something and I put a little bit of pressure Pressure. on you then you it snaps you out of that distraction and puts you back on onto focus so that's what I do I do a balanced approach to training right Mm -hmm. so and then it it just comes down to having the right tools but yeah I left BC because I knew that um well I quit I quit working at the training facility that I was working at 
I started doing, um, I started doing grooming full time and then training clients from grooming. I got the reputation as the guy that could groom aggressive dogs, which was wow. fun. Um, yeah. Groomed, groomed a, <laughs> yeah. Groomed a wolf hybrid, which was crazy. Nobody, wow. the only person that could touch him was the the owner. And uh, yeah, it took me four and a half hours and we, we took uh, three huh. garbage bags of fluff off of him. Oh my God. Uh, and so a big, big bugger. Um, yeah. So that was, that was quite the experience. And then I, um, I was going to, I had already booked a ticket to Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, to study nutrition with the Volharts. And I just wanted to know everything, you know, yeah. once you get yeah, into yeah. something, you're like, I want to know everything about everything. Right. Yeah. So, so that's where I was like, okay, I want to, um, I had heard from one of the instructors at the Caesar Milan course about Wendy Volhard and, uh, that she's, you know, this amazing person teaching nutrition, homeopathy, and all this natural living stuff. And so uh, I knew that I, that I would never be able to afford land and be able to see my dreams come true yeah. in BC because it's just crazy. Uh, and and then so came back to Nova Scotia, went to Virginia, did that, and then saw even more about training and even more about um, you know the impacts of nutrition and chiropractic and herbs and you know, going tick free and, tick, you know, medication free as much as possible. And just seeing like when I saw this 18 year old lab uh, doing retrieves, you know, she wasn't doing like 100 yard retrieves, but yeah. she was still, still at 18, it. still mm-hmm. going, wow. um, was like, okay, this is this is amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and so I knew I wanted to incorporate that came back to Nova Scotia, and then start and then found um, a place to rent. My wife was calling around looking for places to rent. And she's like, I'm tired of calling places. Can you call? First place I called, he said, yeah, I've got a 30 by 30 shop. It's got a fence around it. It'd be great if you're a carpenter. It's like, well, I'm not a carpenter. What do you use it for? And he said, oh, I've got a dog, uh, dog boarding facility. Oh, no way. <laughs> you can keep all the, all the fencing, all the bowls, yeah. all the. So yeah, oh, so we were there God. right on the water. It's like it was um, meant to be, Evan. Ooh. It was 100% meant to be, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So that was, that was the next phase started nature's cure dog training um that's what my that's actually what my company is legally called is nature's cure really it was always about yeah it was about getting into nature with dogs and yeah you know any dogs that are extremely stressed out dogs that are ptsd high high anxiety um social problems it's about getting them out into nature and letting them be with other dogs obviously that you know you need to have things like reliable recall and whatnot which bring mm-hmm. you back to training but even if they're just on a leash and you go out and sit in nature on a consistent basis we'll just detox them that's what they it's what they need to do yeah for sure okay my question is about the grooming because i've known several different people who have done like professional grooming before and they always yeah. seem to give it up like there's a nurse that i work with and she left dog grooming to nursing and i was like why <laughs> Because it's a hateful, hateful job. That's really, fine. really, oh, it's horrible. Well, think about it. Like most people don't do the thing that they should do. So that, like, the way you raise a puppy is to go. I want you to be bomb proof. In my mind, what that means is that you can take your dog anywhere, and they don't, under any circumstances, they don't freak out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in order to do to have a bomb proof dog with grooming, 
you take them to the groomers when they're eight weeks old, not to、mm-hmm. get groomed, just to be in the environment. And then you take them back at 12 weeks, and then you take them back at 16 weeks. And at 16、yep. weeks or 12 weeks, they get、mm-hmm. their first bath and maybe a little nail trim and whatever.、Yeah. But it's like a 10 minute ordeal. And then you take them at six months for their first full grooming. And then you take them at eight months, which is only two months after, which most people go like groom their dogs twice a year. So it's this, it's this horrific event. So what most people do is they wait till the dog's one. Yeah,、uh, to get its nails cut for the first time, to get groomed for the first time. So the、yeah. dog is like, and they're not used to being handled. They're not used to having someone stick a finger in their ear or pull, you know, something、mm. out of out of their, you know, underbelly or or anything like that. So you're literally just being. I mean, you know, when you don't brush your hair for a couple of days and you got knots, imagine、yeah. that your whole body is like that, yeah, for six months、um, yeah. with just knots. And so it's so the dogs are just like. Agitated, stressed out, whatever. You've got people that are not understanding that you had to shave the dog because the whole dog is covered in mats, and so the、yeah. dog comes out looking like you know a skinned rat, <laughs>、uh, and and they're, and they're like, oh my god, and you took what did you do to my dog?、Yeah. What did you do? Yeah, you traumatized my dog, and and whatever, and it's like, well, you know, it's more there's more trauma to not. Shaving the dog, to yeah, shave than the dog trying to get thing, all those、so. knots. What I'm noticing with businesses, though, and because, like I say, this is an industry that's like just growing exponentially, like by the day, is that、yeah. I'm finding that businesses are are starting to become more picky about who they provide their services to. So.、Sure. An, an example of this is there was a place we we did an episode on this a couple of weeks ago about the variety of different dog parks in our area, and、um, Vero tried one out and to be able to, to so they have a dog park and it's a private park where you can go but you have、oh, to go for an introductory session and show that you have good recall and that your dog has good manners before they let you、uh, before they provide you with membership to their park, and I'm wondering if like. I found that very interesting because, like, I, I think when you have a business, it's like you want income, you want revenue, you want to market, and it's all about like customer, customer, customer. But、um, especially in an industry like this, you need to make sure that it's like safe. And I don't know what the liabilities are like in, involved in in a business with 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 dogs that people are starting to put conditions on their terms of service, right? On that side, which I find. Interesting, and I'm. I, w- I would be curious to know if I started like a grooming thing. It would be like, well, no, it needs to be a dog that's socialized to grooming because I'm not going to be wrestling your dog and shaving him down and having you upset with me at the end of the whole whole process. You know, right? Be, I think、I'd、it be- always comes down to education. Yeah. Right. It、yep. always comes down to education, and and so what that means is letting people know what they need to do in order to be part of your business. Mm-hmm. Right, so like,、right. sure, you can have a five-year-old dog that's never been here before, and has you know maybe it's a rescue and it's never been groomed. Okay, so what that means is our first session, which you're going to be charged for, is an introduction grooming. Right,、yeah. he comes in,、yeah. he hangs out for twenty minutes. Maybe I pass the comb over him, I blow the air, you know, I blow the、yeah. the, the hair dryer at a distance, whatever. Boom, away we go. We'll see you tomorrow、yeah. or in a week. Or whatever,、yeah. right?、Mm-hmm. And so it comes down to education, as opposed to some people. You know, it's it's relationships. It's a relationship with the dog. It's a relationship with the clients. What kind of relationship do you want to have? Some people just throw their hands in the air. Like I've got a friend who's a trainer that's looking to to expand his franchise, and somebody,、um, you know, within an hour had to cancel their appointment 
to, as they're interviewed, be part of the franchise. And you just went, well, if you can't take this seriously, then I don't want you. It's like, yeah. well, that's not really, you know, sh- shit yeah. happens. Life happens. Yep. Right. So it's like, yeah. um, it's the same thing. So, but by shaving the dog and then trying to explain to somebody what happened versus the, before the dog comes in, educating them and it goes like, Hey, I might have to shave down your dog. And that yeah. was something that was really cool that I experienced is the first groomer that I worked with is, is like hardcore country girl. That's like, you know, used to tame and wild horses kind of thing. So yeah. she, she has no problem telling somebody the time of day, maybe too far. Right. Yeah. But yeah. she'll tell them yeah. beforehand, like, Hey, I'm going to shave your dog. And if yeah. you don't like that, then like hit the road. Yeah, and yeah. so there's a balance, but yeah, you always want quality over quantity, but the way it, people don't know what they don't know. Right. So that's why you, you, it's, it's always best to educate. And that's hard for some people because they go like, well, they should know. Well, okay. No, you can't expect but them some to people don't. look yeah. at the pandemic. <laughs> right. Right. And speaking of like throwing your, you know, throwing your hands up in the air and being like, We're, you're just not going to be one of my clients. Um, what would be one of your thresholds for kicking like a person out of your dog training program or even a dog out of your dog training program? Yeah. So it's, are you prepared to do the work is really yeah. what it comes down to. Right. So the times it's funny cause I coach dog trainers now that's, uh, you know, my, my business is of course, evolving over time. And so I have dog trainers uh, that I that I coach through all kinds of stuff, business and growing their business to, to six figures, multiple six figures, and how to do that in a way that doesn't burn you out, how to do that in a way that you enjoy your business, that your clients are happy, uh, that you maintain. You know, I, I haven't had a bad client in years, which for a lot of dog trainers, like I um, a dog trainer friend of mine ran a, a little workshop on how to have better clients. And I was like, I don't understand why you're doing this thing. Like, I love my clients. He's like, Evan, you are, you are a rare dog trainer. Most of them don't <laughs> yeah. like their clients and most of their clients don't like them because they're not focused on the relationship. See, when early on someone asked me, what's the difference between you and Caesar Milan? Cause it was the only bit of education that I had yeah. and I, I didn't have an answer and it really bothered me. Um, and I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And my answer to this day is I care more about people than I do about dogs. Now, some people will hear that and go, well, you don't care about dogs. <laughs> no, it's not what no, I said. No, no. What I said was I care more about human relationships than I do about dog relationships. Because if I can't connect with you as a human, which is, mm-hmm. it, it's ultimately why I'm such a good dog trainer is because I can connect to the human. Because if I can't connect to the yes. human, I can't change the human. No. If I can't change the human's behavior, the dog will not have a better life. And so, yeah, that's what ult- ultimately it comes down to. So the people that I have either denied access to me or said, Hey, I don't think this is, this isn't a good relationship are people that were in denial of the fact that they had to change, that they needed to do the work. Yeah. Um, you know, some, something comes to mind where this, this lady was dealing with a lot of life trauma, um, as you know, life happens. And I said, part of the program is that the way the dog eats is from your hand, that you're not feeding the dog from a bowl. That's like the foundation of how of I train training. every yeah. dog. Yep. And so is the only way your dog's going to eat is, and so they might choose to not eat for a day or two or three, you know, mm-hmm. they might just turn up their nose, but it's a choice. You're not saying 
you're not allowed to eat, you're saying the only way you're allowed to eat is by doing simple things like sit and come to me. Like very, very, very easy things. Basic, yeah. And that sparked a lot of, you know, emotions for her, right? And I just went, that's fine. This might not be the, tra- you know, the training Type program of training for, for you. you. Yeah. Um, you know, and those dogs ultimately never, never got any better because it was, as as we do, we put our emotions on to our oh, other yeah, relationships, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. And then people that I, you know, that that ended early was just yeah, the people that just weren't prepared to do the work, and that's really all it comes down to. So one thing that I struggle with, Evan, is that it's not just you and the relationship with your dog, right? Some of us have like these huge families and uh, like if you even listen to a few, a handful of our episodes, you'll hear me talking about my father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my father, um, I, I, I often say I, uh, in the beginning, I had part-time custody of my dogs because we have a cottage. My father's retired. He he, he grew up where dogs were used for work. Like he grew up in Australia yep. on a farm oh, and okay, dogs, cool. do, dogs were, were used Kelpies? for work. And yep, Kelpies, you got it. And um, they never came in the house. And they weren't allowed on the couch and they weren't allowed doing this and that and the other thing. So when I first got a dog, my dad was like, what are you doing? This is awful. Like, this is disgusting. You're going to bring that thing in your house. And like, he's like, and you need a farm if you have a dog and all this sort of stuff. And then he retired and then it slowly, they slowly became best friends. And now my dad has a special spot and a special blanket on the couch for the dog. And they're like, anyways, so um, they go up to the cottage together. But when again when we had our first dog I wasn't as knowledgeable as I am now so then when we we got our next two dogs is when I started getting more into the training and uh, we often mention I'm not sure if you're if you know her from canines in the capital uh, Michelle she's a close friend of mine and and mentored me in a lot of like the dog training stuff but my I can't I cannot get my dad on board (laughs) I can't he thinks dogs just need to run and so he takes them to the cottage and they run, they do, they run until like, sometimes they come back, like barely able they to run walk. Into and I'm like, please don't do that. <laughs> like <laughs> they run into porcupines, they run into neighbors that threaten to shoot them on their property. And I'm like that, like I even got Becky, my older one, like e-collar trained. And I'm like, okay, here's what you do with the E. And he's like, I'm not putting that on her. He's like, what's the point in taking them up to the cottage if they can't run? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so yeah, this is something that comes up a lot. Yes. This is something that comes up a lot. And so I've, because I've worked with so many people that have, I mean, my first, my first response is always parents are the worst. Yep. Right. It's like, <laughs> yep. Parents, parents are the worst. Um, and I'm sure my kids would agree. And so, <laughs> you know, it's par- parents are the worst and it's just, that's, that's the way they are. Different generations. You know, the interesting thing about Kelpies is, um, so uh, Ted from Mango Dogs and I went went to Australia a couple of years ago to teach a seminar on aggression. And the year prior, Ted had gone by himself and and went out to uh, a farm where they have kelpies, where they raise kelpies and and sell kelpies. And the guy said, "Okay, how many?" Or Ted said, "How many hours do you put into these dogs of training?" And if and the the, the head coordinator, that trainer uh, trainer said. If we have to put more than 30 minutes into a dog, we sell it as a pet. Yeah. So they're genetically, they don't, like, when you watch Kelpie's work on YouTube, it's amazing, but mm-hmm. it's all genetic. They don't yes. do anything with yeah. the dogs. They basically just take them out and the dogs know what to do, 
right? Yep. And then the more refined stuff happens over time. But even that is very, very limited. So for your dad, being a crazy Oz, um, <laughs> he, you know, he's, that's, that's his perspective. So I just, the, the things that I've tried with other clients is, okay, let's give the, the parents an ultimatum. And sometimes it's hard when, when people live with their parents and the parents are typically the same as your dad, too relaxed, right? Too yep. relaxed, no rules, no boundaries, dogs allowed, the poor dog, the poor dog. And it's, what's funny is it's typically the parents that were hard asses. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yes. And, right. <laughs> and then the, and then the kids have a dog and then the, you know, that becomes the grandbaby, and you know, that's the one that gets to do whatever the hell it wants to do. And mm-hmm. so I've tried everything from giving the grandparents ultimatums in different ways, like, um, and typically from a place of just frust, frust, uh, like, um, fatigue, not frustration, but fatigue, just like, Hey, like, you know, <laughs> and we role play and we do all the things of how to have the conversation. And, and it's basically just like, I've tried, I've been here, I've done this thing. So here's what's going to happen. I'm actually going to rehome the dog. I'm going to, I'm, I'm taking the oh dog to the, to the pound <laughs> oh <my laughs> and, God. and it's a, and it's a bluff. And then they're like, you can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I don't have a choice. Now, in some cases, you got to understand that some of these conversations are not around. I mean, what your dogs are doing is far from ideal, you know, running into porcupines, going on neighbor's properties and, you know, potentially running in front of traffic and things like that. Um, but uh, when we have dogs that are aggressive, you know, like mm-hmm. you can't be feeding both dogs chips from the couch. Like they're going to kill each other, you know, yeah. but they yeah. don't hear yeah. that. And even though there's been fights and whatever, it's all, oh, well, they always downplay it after it's happened. And so sometimes we've tried um, ultimatums of just like, you know, and even doing things like <laughs> arranging for the dogs to go somewhere else for the weekend and just be like, I rehome them. Yeah, I told you. I told you I was going to do it. Right. Yeah. Because like it, it's yeah. sometimes, you know, extreme measures because this is a safety concern. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, to be blunt, screw the parents. They weren't listening. You know, they weren't being respectful. Yeah. Right. So like. So what if I, you know, have a little white lie here um, and make you feel like shit in the process, (laughs) you know, like you, you're not listening. What else, what else do you want me to do? But getting angry never works. It's like any conflict resolution. Yeah. Um, And then ultimately doing other things like moving out, you know, getting some Mm -hmm. independence. Um, You're old enough to to have a dog. You're old enough to not live with your parents. So um, yeah, doing things like that. So, and then just removing the luxury of, you know, we have, we have uh, a cottage with my parents, but Hey dad, guess what? You can't follow the rules. These are my dogs. These are not your dogs. Uh, these are my dogs. And so they're going to be in crates. Um, and, uh, yep. There's a padlock on the crate. Like, no, you can't, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. um, which could be dangerous if you're leaving. So you have to really think it out, but, yes. uh, yeah. ultimately just removing, removing the problem, taking full responsibility. So rather than being frustrated with your dad, for not doing the thing, we have to take full responsibility and go like, I just don't put my dogs in those, in those situations. Yeah. It's hard. So the porcupine situation was hilarious because like, like I said, so I've got Becky and Gibbon and Becky is the, is the culprit who t- she learned this from scraps 
um, taking off into the forest for like two hours at a time. Right. And they and they always come back, but you don't know yeah. what they're doing. You don't know where they are and who yeah. who they are potentially pissing off. And yeah. anyways, so um, I got Becky e collar trained, and I went up and I was like, "Look, this is how this works." I showed him and everything. And when I'm there, of course, they listen to me. And he's like, "Well, yeah. they don't do that for me." And I'm like, "Cause you don't have any rules with them." <laughs> but anyways, so we're up at the cottage. I was out floating on the lake. I had Becky with the e collar. They're both sitting on the deck where I can see them. There's lounging in the sun, just having the time of their lives. Everybody's happy. My dad arrives at the cottage. He says to me, "Where are the dogs?" I said, "On the deck." said well no they're not and I said oh well just grab Becky's e-collar and she'll come back he said no I took it off and I was like why did you take it off (laughs) and he's like well what's the point of bringing them up here if they can't run or whatever so I was like he's like okay well I'll go find them so he gets on the four-wheeler he goes trying to find the dogs I'm sitting there with my friend you know trying to relax for once and uh my Gibbon, my Weimaraner comes back and my friend just goes oh no and I look over face full of quills so I was like fuming because yeah. <laughs> everything was all good and I'm like and I t- told him after the fact so I'm like okay get out the pliers get out the clips I'm like and I'm like hold him dad and he's like oh this is awful I can't do this I can't do this this is horrible this is horrible this is just awful like and I'm like hold the dog <laughs> you caused this man up man up and hold the dog anyways we, we got we got all the quills out most of them it took them obviously back to the vet because they migrate and such. But yeah. anyways, my, the joke in our family is that uh, my, my dad's going to have to start giving me damage deposits when he uh, takes the dogs because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it always it always results yeah. in in a vet yeah. visit of some sort. But um, yeah, and what's supposed to be a relaxing time turns into trauma, you know? Right. So right. I would but just anyways. avoid the problem. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. Um, Put an e collar on your dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, dad. But um some of the other questions I had is sometimes it's hard um I like another common problem, I don't know if you agree or not, is other people's behaviors towards your dogs, right? So you're out at you, you got a new puppy like Vero has and she's been very good at it too and everybody wants to touch your dog you're out in public or again like family members or whatever you might not agree or whatever in certain situations and stuff and sort of what is your threshold like around that like I know training is training but if you're like out just like throwing the ball with the dog at the park or whatever do you let other people approach your dog as long as it's in a safe and healthy respectful way yeah, I've gone through waves, you know, of yep. being uptight and too relaxed and, and all that stuff. So I think ultimately, like, as long as your dog is safe and it's not creating more problems, do what you want to do. Yeah. Right? So, mm-hmm. like, the, 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 problem, the problem with dog parks, let's say, is you have well-intentioned people that are uneducated. Mm-hmm. So... My dog comes over, you come over to my dog, start petting and loving my dog. And then your dog comes over to you and gets jealous. Now we have a dog fight or yep. like, like ve- that, that's Vega, right? My black lab. Mm-hmm. If you start giving her affection, I will immediately call her back if there's any other dogs present. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. she'll get pissy because she w- wants, wants all, all the, the affection for, for mm-hmm. herself. 
right? And so, and she also doesn't have any problem pounding, you know, putting a dog to the ground. Yeah. And so, you know, that's where it's my responsibility. So, and then equally, like, it, it depends on your dog, right? Like Mufasa, like, don't pet Mufasa, you know, um, especially from age three to 10. Now he's a lot more chill. Um, I don't know that he knows where he is all the time, but he's, uh, so he's more, he's more relaxed, but with age can come the opposite too. They can get more surly yeah. in their age. That's you know? exactly what I was just going to say to you. Cause Becky was literally one of the most submissive dogs I think I'd ever seen in my life. But as she's gotten older, that is like significantly tra- changed and the e-collar definitely helps with that. Cause, um, yeah. And, and same thing when I go to the dog park, sometimes with my dad, I, I call her back when other dogs are around because it's a 50, 50, she's either going to be fine with them sniffing her butt saying hello, or she's going to yeah. turn around and tell them what's what, which can result in an altercation. So, yeah, so and- when you have a dog like that, you need to know how to read other dogs. Yeah. Right. If she mm-hmm. snaps at them, is this dog likely to respect that or it doesn't have a clue and it's going to turn and- into a dog fight? I haven't gotten better. I don't know how you come along and reading other dogs. It's almost like kids. Like you, you know your own kids. You know how to predict their behaviors. I haven't figured that out with other dogs yet. What What would be a good way to? How do you suggest learning that? Is it literally just so? Experience? When I would teach that as a course, um, like I used to have clients that had been through private lessons, and I would go start. You know, pay attention to your dog and look at the signs. Right now, if you have a French bulldog, if you have a bulldog, if you have any sort of push faced, you have a pug, you've got a anything that was artificially made, it's going to be hard for you to learn body language, right? Mm-hmm. Like reading a bulldog is like the hardest thing. Frenchies are a lot easier, but bulldogs, like you, you don't yeah. know if they're going to kill you or if they're, you know, now there are, <laughs> there are signs, but they always sound like they're rowling because they're just... Yes, you know, yeah, they sound like pigs. They can't breathe, and their tails are, you know, tucked into their butts. And Sometimes like a belly button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just they're very so. Uh, so anyone with uh, a dog that's not like that, uh, you know, um, start paying attention to your dog. When they're happy, how fast is their tail wagging? When they're uncertain, how fast is their tail wagging? You know, is it high? Is it low? Is it this? Is it that? Right. When they're curious, are where? What are their ears doing? So you put all that together, and then you just watch another dog and see the result of something. Like you stick your hand into your pocket, and the dog looks at you. Do their ears go up? Do their ears go back? Do their ear like? And so yeah. you just start. It's just a game of deduction, but okay. also seeing um, how they interact. But basically, you just need to to pay attention at the dog park, right? Mm -hmm. Start just spending 30 seconds at a timer of just, just laser focus on, okay, this one did this and then that happened. Okay. That one did that. And then that one that happened. And then, okay, we put those two dogs together and then this happened, you know, they both, one looked like that one went back, one went forward. And then this happened, you know? Okay. And so it's just, but you can only radically focus on that stuff for so long, but dog parks are great. Um, and but is, but my, my question is, is it general generalizable for the most part? Because yes. like sometimes when, like if Becky does like a little jump back to me for her, I know that means play. She's like, yeah, now they're going to start the chase. Yep. But I've seen other dogs though, where they do the little, the jump, jump, you know, where they stand up straight, like woof, woof, and the, the jump back and forth. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're pissed. So I'm like, huh, 
yeah, it's it's playful, but then that it means that that dog was ultimately more insecure, okay. and therefore they felt like they needed to then overreact to compensate. I want to play. Wait a minute, I got scared a little bit. Let me overcompensate by pushing okay. you away. Okay. So it huh. was initially still play. Yeah. It was it was still that initial sign. But then the other dog did something that was probably more advanced, like advanced a little bit. The other dog then got spooked a little bit and okay. their response to spook, their fight drive is slightly higher than their flight drive. Yep. And therefore, rather than just running away, they stood up for themselves and, and said, can I back you off? And then if that dog backs off a little bit, then the next time they do their little play bounce, you'll see less of it and less of it and less of it until they're finally comfortable to go, okay, when I play bounce and you come towards me, you're not going to kill me. And then, uh, and then, and then they play. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. So it's, no, it's, it's pretty much universal. A play okay. bow is a play bow. Yes. Um, it's just what happens afterwards. And that's the thing is that it's the same thing as a conversation, right? It's, it's, it's a conversation in 2021 where I say something, it triggers you and then you respond in one way or another, right? Yeah. Yep. When you, when you have these, because the conversation is changing so radically, right so quickly because it's a new conversation and like it's very rare for people to go from hi nice to meet you to let me chase you around the park yeah right yeah it's we just stand and mm -hmm. and and debate things or we stand and give opinions or whatever but they're you know they're going from anywheres from play to fight it's very rare for people to to have those kind of conversations such an expansive conversation in such a short period of time mm -hmm. right and it's also rare for you know you don't typically see you know the equivalent of like a 70 or 80 year old person trying to interact with a kid at the park yep right yep. so you get a four-month-old puppy absolutely and a nine-year-old or 10 or 12 year old dog well, that's going to be a short conversation. Yep. Yes, it is. Right? Yeah, I see that at the park with, with Ralph where he's just like, he just runs to everybody. He's like, you're my best friend. I love yeah. you. Yeah. And they're like, I'm 70. Get out of my face. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then he turns around. Okay. Want to play Minecraft? No, I do yeah. not. <laughs> What's Minecraft? Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. So yeah, body language is, it's a language. Yes. You can, absolutely. You can learn it, but... It's kind of like, so if you spend, it's kind of like being a mer, like going somewhere and living somewhere, you know, I don't mm -hmm. speak French because I never lived in a French speaking country. Yeah. In my right. opinion, it's really the only way to, to be fully fluent. Like I'm fluent in dog language, right? Yes. But I spent, you know, over a decade, decade. with a yeah. pack of dogs mm -hmm, and that's right. what you need. Like you'll never learn the language you can learn parts of the language living with your dog. You can learn your dog's language. But if, when you're trying to read and predict behavior, right? Because that's really what you need to do yes. is predict the behavior. Yeah. If you have a dog that's going to turn and snap at another dog, you need to be able to read both and anticipate what's going to happen. So and then there's the intuition factor in that as well. Do I need to intervene or do I need to let this play out? Can I let this play out? Or is this most likely because you're... You really are guessing, but it's, you know, you're deducting um, that this will go well or this will not go well. So it's um, living with one dog, there's generals, but that's it. 
there's so many variables involved too. And it's why I think yeah. your, your business is so successful and many others. It's a goal of mine. Like I said, I, I know my own dogs. Well, it's figuring out the other ones too. And that's so, definitely. So when you're, so when I taught the course, I did, I did five sessions and we broke the dogs. I, I got people to focus on just one body part of the dog. Okay. So we okay. did, we did the tail. We did the body, we did the head position and then other parts of the head and then put it all together. Nice. Right. So, yeah. you know, uh, ears, eyes, mouth was kind mm -hmm. of one thing. And those yeah. can all be separate weeks, um, of, of really breaking down the dog's body line. Is the, did the lip go up? Did it go down? Did it this? Did it that? Is the dog's mouth open? Is it closed? Are they panting? Are they not panting? Are their eyes open? Are they bug-eyed? Are they squinting? Are they turning their head away? Are their ears up? Are they back? Are they flat? Are they forward? Are they down? You know, so it's all of those things are subtle reactions yeah, and, right. and they're saying something, Yeah. right? And then, and then the last week we combined it, okay, the head is up, but the tail is down and the tail is down and the head is up. Now both are up and now both are moving. Now both are flat. Now this... So it's, yeah, it's, you know, one paw is up. That's a, that's a, that's a thing, right? One paw is up and the back, one paw is up and their, and their body is forward. They all mean different things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it can be overwhelming. And I've had a lot of clients say, I will never be able to learn this. And it's like, well, yeah, not with that attitude. No, <laughs> you no. just got to spend more time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you want to be immersed, go work at a doggy daycare. Okay. If you really want to learn the language, go work at a doggy, a busy doggy daycare that has very few rules, right? Yes. <laughs> Where dogs are just doing whatever the hell they want and just sit in the corner to yeah. be a fly in a wall and just observe, right? Yeah. Yeah. How, how intense did that get in a period of time? And then watching, you know, the terriers come flying from across the room when there's a scuffle and watching, <laughs> you know, the, the doodles think that everyone's playing and yeah. watching, you know, the, the, the chihuahua sit and hide and shake in the corner. So it's, yeah. um, yeah, until they're yeah. in someone's arms. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's a language that can be learned for sure. All right. All right. How are we doing We're there, Beryl? approaching the end of our, of our episode. I feel like so, I could talk forever. I know. Can this be a three-hour episode? <laughs> we can do it again, for uh, sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to fire off some yes or no questions. Okay. All right. Based on the theory that dogs look like their owners, is your next dog going to be an Afghan hound? <laughs> now, can I, is never an option? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not, <laughs> is the answer. Um, your first job was working a lemonade stand. The famous saying goes, when life gives you lemons, squirt the juice in the eyes of your enemies. Is this true? No. <laughs> Kill him with honey. Drown, drown him in a pot of honey. <laughs> Out of all of your pets, is it safe to say that your least favorite is your cat? No. All right. <laughs> You've worked in the past as a pet groomer. Would you ever use thinning shears to trim your long, luscious hair? I have. <laughs> you have. Ooh. <laughs> Anyone who listens to Doggett Style, the podcast, knows that you have named your mustache Santiago. Have you named any other body parts? 
No comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, <laughs> no comment? No comment? Yes, obviously, yes. We're going to take this off Obviously, air. yes. <laughs> uh, in some of your videos, you proudly display a ukulele. Are you part of a ukulele string quartet? Oh, I wish. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> Do you play the ukulele? Yes. We yes? can see one in the background right now. Yeah. I also play those instruments <laughs> yeah. that are in the background right now. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> While working with Caesar Milan, did he ever correct one of your behaviors with a ch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I was an angel. I was an angel. Okay. <laughs> uh, was your decision to train hunting dogs influenced by the popular Nintendo light gun shooter video game, Duck Hunt? Yes. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. Was it was it the laughing dog that got you every time? That guy, <laughs> I, I, I hated that guy. The... I needed to train him to not be so maniacal. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> You're triggering me, boy. That's funny. And the last question is your podcast sponsor, Ricky Single. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> he does have a dating service. It just hasn't been announced yet. <laughs> oh my God. Cool. Good questions. Good well, questions. Evan, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I've been a fan right from the start. One of our first episodes was like um, looking at a couple of the different online personalities and you were definitely one of our, uh, one of our faves. So, th so thank you so much for Hanging out with us today. You're super knowledgeable. I've got goals to follow now. And thank you so much. Thank you, Evan. Yeah, you're welcome. When we, when we, you know, when the world gets back to normal, we'll be offering uh, a retreat. Don't tell anybody. But uh, so maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll see you there. Oh, yes. Ooh. Guaranteed. Dog Guaranteed. retreat. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks again to Doggett Style Training. And please join us next week on Let's, Let's Boop Snoots. Boop.